Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Make sure that whoever you bring in as a partner, get their return before you do. Don't leverage so much that you put yourself at risk and you make sure that, that there's enough for everyone. Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless and today's best ever guests as they share it with you. It's the best ever advice with none of the fluff. Let's go. My mom always said it's rude to keep people waiting. Well, best ever listeners, that's exactly what you're doing if you're not funding your deals with our best ever sponsor, Patch of Land. Patch of Land is a crowdfunding marketplace that matches up your deals with accredited and institutional investors who want to invest in your deal. Patch of Land literally has thousands of investors ready to fund your next deal. You don't want to keep them waiting, do you? And guess what? It's a lightning quick process too. In fact, the average patch of land loan closes in just seven days. Is a five to seven day close faster than how long it currently takes you to close on financing? And just think, wouldn't it be wonderful to have all of your financing needs taken care of for all of your deals? How many more deals could you close if you already knew where the money was coming from? With Patch of Land, you no longer have to worry about the financing part. They've got it taken care of for you. Go to Patch of Land and find out how to get your next deal funded by the thousands of investors waiting for you right now. Go to patchofland.com. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-A-N-D.com. Hi, Best Ever listeners. Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever show. I'm Joe Fairless, and I'm here with today's guest, Tom Parker. Hi, Tom. Hi, Joe. Welcome to the show, and Tom is joining us from Santa Barbara, California, where he is the chairman of the board of Hutton Companies and the president of Hutton Parker Foundation. A little bit about those. So Hutton Companies is California's, at least in 2009, it was California's eighth largest developer in California. And the foundation, the Hutton Parker Foundation, supports community-based nonprofits throughout Santa Barbara, California. Tom is responsible for all the fiscal and operational management of the foundation and its holdings. And the foundation actually owns and manages more than 250,000 square feet of office space in 17 different buildings serving more than 90 local area nonprofit organizations. And uh, with that being said, Tom, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? 
Sure. Just to clarify, actually, I sold the the real estate company in what 1990. Yeah, probably 1996. So I'm not really doing much with that anymore. 1997 um, took a lot of the funds and decided to create a private foundation. I was originally in real estate. I enjoyed the field. To me, it always it made a lot more sense than any other invest, investing tool I saw out there. I was an economics teacher for a long time, and I decided to try to walk the walk. And um, so that's how I ended up getting involved in real estate. Um, I certainly ended up small time here in Santa Barbara. I got called to take over a company in Orange County in 1982, and uh, was in trouble. And I tried a different philosophy about real estate. Which hopefully we'll be able to talk about, and um, I eventually built it up again, and then sold it to a REIT about what 18 years ago. So that's kind of the history of this thing. How do you prepare a company uh, so that it can eventually be sold to a REIT? Well, the first thing I did when I saw the Hutton Companies, and what Hutton Companies was, it was a conglomerate of they had they had computer companies, magazines trying to create a bank, um, loan company. It was a complete mess to me. There were they, Somebody very wealthy brought in a great deal of money. Um, people started to decide they quickly needed to invest that money without, without a, a, a real thought as to how this thing could possibly work. So when I came there, it was bleeding hemorrhage money at about $10, $20 million a year, which back in 19, what, 1984 was actually a lot of money. Um, so I decided to try to um, look at its core strength, which was real estate, and jettison everything else and concentrate. Real estate, um, as your listeners probably know, always made sense to me, and I, I've never understood in my life why people wouldn't gravitate in that kind of an area that, I mean, the IRS has made it um, so attractive. I mean, I, I look at, at stocks. Well, okay, so I invest in a stock. It appreciates. I sell it. I pay taxes. Everybody takes a cut along the way. With real estate to me, this was always an opportunity to invest in and in, in, I could make it a safe way. And that's what I'm going to talk about, how I made real estate virtually riskless. I could leverage. I had the ability to shelter my income. So I had cash flow and I had appreciable asset. And if I ever wanted to take cash after it appreciated, I could take that cash out without paying taxes. And and I, I compared that to almost any other opportunity except maybe a startup company. And I it just, it made too much sense not to get involved in it. So my one area that I looked at in real estate is how can I make it virtually riskless? And that's always been the issue with real estate and developers when I started back in the, actually in the 70s, it was a hit or miss situation. And, and people got very wealthy and they continued to invest and then they hit a bad cycle and they either were lucky enough to get out or they ended up being poor again. So I tried to think, what is value in real estate? Where does the value come from? And to me, it came from the tenants. It came from cash flow. So how, did, how was I able to stabilize that cash flow when I started this company? It was still going through. It had a lot of vacant vacancy. There was a million square feet of commercial high-rise office space, virtually all vacant. I needed to move quickly. 
So I set up a program where I would offer the tenants equity in the building without any capital at all. I would take and offer them a 15-year triple net lease. There would be 5% increases per year. The lease rate coming in would be at or below market, which was fine, cover the debt service. I would give them up to 49% equity in the building. The 5% increases per year would pay for um, all the loans, would pay for the debt service completely on the building. So if you compute that out and, and, and work it out mathematically in about 12 and a half, 13 years, you've got the loan paid off. Therefore, I took all my capital out of the building. I owned up to 51% of the building without any capital in it. And, I, and, and the, the whole system seemed to work for me. I was able to then take the cash flow from these buildings, expand on it, and um, I turned around and I had a portfolio of great asset-producing buildings with triple-net tenants, and my tenants became my partners. They, would not move, they wouldn't move out of the building, obviously. They had a great system. They were building equity by paying rent. Um, I took less than other developers, but I eliminated all my risk. I, I turned around real estate. I hit a cycle when it was going up in the middle 90s. Uh, REITs wanted real estate that showed great cash flow with secure triple net tenants, and, and I had the portfolio full. And so I sold at that point. I sold to a to a REIT here in town um, locally at a four and a half five cap. Everybody won. Everybody was happy. So that was just that, that was my philosophy I had in real estate, and then I continued it into the foundation actually, and I created a different model for for private foundations using a very similar concept. I just want to make sure I I'm understanding that example. So you said you set up the program that offered the tenants equity in the building without any capital, and then I I that's correct. I thought I heard you say, but maybe I I misheard. I thought I heard you say that you owned up to eight fifty one percent without any capital in it. No, no. I put my cap I, I put capital in the building when we built it. They were sitting there vacant. So our, obviously when you get a loan, you're at you know, whatever we had to put in, whatever there was capital, whether it was thirty percent, forty percent equity, but it didn't matter because the buildings were vacant, so it was all that was happening, we were just burning through cash. So we had our capital invested. So when I when I put a lease together I put a lease together based on a reasonable return on our capital, and then the rent would be it was still high enough, even with a good deal to the tenant, that it would cover all the debt service, it would cover a reasonable return on our invested capital, and then with the 5% increases per year and the triple net concept of the lease, I had no additional expenses. The 5% increase would then go into the partnership to pay off the debt and to pay our, uh, our invested capital. So what happened at the end of this period of time, the building was basically sitting there free and clear. We've had a reasonable return on our invested capital during this period of time. Plus, we've now created value and, or paid off debt, so we had a, would have a free and clear building for intensive purposes after 13 years with the 5% increases, rental increases. So that was the concept. And if you really set it out on, on a spreadsheet, it, it makes a lot more sense, which is, I, I, I tried to explain that in the book. Um, it, does, it really works. <laughs> I did it, what I have? I think at the end, I had probably at least 10 different partnerships with, especially law firms seem to really, surprisingly, 
I, I, I had high rises with a number of law firms where they, where they need space. They don't want to, you know, they can't really, they didn't have the capital to buy a building. They didn't want to anyway. And then they could bring new attorneys as they became partners into this partnership. So everybody, you know, it, 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 it was a great system for them. And, um, and surprisingly, they were my best tenants. I'll always remember I, when I put my first deal together, it was in Riverside on a high-rise office building with a law firm. And I sat there, and I swear it took a month to try to get this partnership agreement done with the building ownership and the, and the tenancy. Finally, I locked the door, and I had the, you know like five of the general partners in there, and we finally hammered it out. At the end of this meeting, I'll remember this day the rest of my life. I, I had the uh, final partnership signed after all this, all this work. And here, the general partner, who I got to know because we've worked together so much trying to get this done, I said, God, I'm so glad I have this thing signed and we're finally done. And he looked at me. He held the partnership in his hand, the signed partnership after all this work. He looked at me and he said, Tom, you know, this really doesn't mean anything. We can litigate anything. <laughs> the only thing that matters is how we treat each other. And surprisingly, I've never had a problem with a partnership. I've had some that went sideways, but the partners, you know, they, they still stayed up and we resolved it. But that taught me a lesson, or not a lesson, but it certainly showed me something in life. I've always believed that you can put things together where everybody can win. And the way you do that is to make sure that whoever you bring in as a partner, they're going to they're gonna get their return before you do. You're going to make sure that you don't leverage so much that there, that you put yourself at risk and you make sure that, that there's enough for everyone and you just hold back your expectations. And in the end, if you're just patient, real estate is a, an amazing vehicle over time. You have to buy in the right location to make sure you're not going to get rolled by the next great mousetrap next door where they're, that they're going to build. But it's, it's, it's a great long-term, long-hold investment that is tremendous cash flow with great opportunities to take cash out at different times without paying taxes. There's nothing better. What a, it's such a creative partnership. How'd you come up with that structure? Um, <laughs> yeah, I've been asked that, especially since the book and I've been on speaking tours, but not about not real estate per se, but mostly mission based investing with, with, with foundations, which is very similar. If we have time, we'll talk about, and I've been asked that question for me. I never thought about it. It's like you see a problem and you solve a problem. The problem was we had cash flow issues. It was going to burn through all the money. It was going to be gone. We had assets. What good were the assets if they just kept burning through cash? How do we, how do we resolve that? Um, so it was just right there in front of me. And I said, well, why isn't this going to work? And, and as I analyzed this, in fact, when I wrote the book, um, which was a journey in itself. I, I took off for uh, for three months and went to the North Shore of Hawaii on a private beach and just locked myself in a room and and uh, wrote this book. And so you you have to think you have to dig inside and you start you you go through a whole process of your life when you try to put these things together. And I realized a lot of how I work comes through because when I was younger in, in school. <clears throat> I was a little dyslexic, which meant that I didn't read as well as some other students. My math skills were very strong, but my reading skills were weak. So I re always remember when I was sitting in a classroom and I knew it was my turn to read that paragraph, I would be petrified. And I'd always count ahead to know which paragraph it was I was going to read. 
and and I when I stumbled on words, I had to try to figure out what in the world that word was. So I had to think laterally within context to try to figure out how to read. And it's that lateral thinking. It's the it's it's making your brain not just be able to regurgitate, not just to throw things out. But since they didn't come easy, sometimes I had to think about all the other issues that go with it and, and figure out what does that word really mean and how am I going to figure out what it is. And so I had to start going off on tangents laterally in different directions to solve problems. And it became, you know, once the reading became easy, which usually happens as you, you know, in college and as you get older, um, you still kept those, those skills that make you think pro- problem solving, not just with one quick, I- one quick solution, but going off in a million directions and, and then seeing which one can really fit. So those dyslexic people out there, there is an asset to it. I mean, <laughs> something positive can come from it. I mean, you, you've covered a, a lot of different really insightful things. So if you can, I'd like for you to boil down one of them um, and just, just to summarize which one you want the listeners to take away from. So let me ask you, Tom, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? My best real estate investing advice ever. First of all, I mean, everybody's going to tell you this, but enjoy the process. Go, go, go to a place where you're comfortable. I love teaching, but it just didn't fill me up. What real estate did is it gave me the ability to completely be consumed. Um, but to be consumed, look at real estate as a building block. Don't get greedy. Don't try to make it all in one time. Go slow. Realize that the beauty of real estate is that if you do it right and you don't consume the capital, you reinvest the capital. You just get enough to get by and enjoy the process. The rewards come. So just don't be greedy. Be patient. Enjoy real estate, and it you'll see rewards that they're amazing. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm ready for the lightning round. Hit it. All right. Well, there we go. First, a quick word from our sponsor. Could you do more deals if you had more money and didn't have to waste time looking for financing? Are you ready to scale your real estate business and do more deals? Well, let's make that happen. Our best ever sponsor, Patch of Land, is ready to fund your next deal. Patch of Land is a crowdfunding marketplace that has thousands of investors waiting for you right now. Find out more at patchofland.com. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-E-N-D.com. All right, Tom, best ever book you've read? Best ever book? You know, I'm going to go back. This is going to really date me since... I'm getting close to 70, but, you know, college, of course, it was Herman Hess, Siddhartha. But recently, I have to say, a book I really enjoyed was Neil Young, um, Waging Heavy Peace. Not because the book was anything special, but because it showed me that anybody could write a book, which <laughs> gave me the, a challenge, and I, I love that. And, um, and it was just, it kind of set me up to write mine. Best ever listeners, I know you like audio, so you can go to freebesteverbook.com and get a free audio version of a book like that. Best ever personal growth experience and what you learned from it. Um, Once again, it's going to be do what you love, people. Um, Don't be afraid of it. Um, There's a lot of opportunity in life if you find something that you enjoy. For me, it was the creativeness that real estate offered me. For others, it can be medicine. It can be just 
find something you love and and go there. Um, it makes life a heck of a lot more of a wonderful journey. Best ever success habit you practice? Um, I think when I needed to, one of the I, I'd make lists. I, I'd drive to Orange County every day, and I'd in the car I'd, I'd have a tape recorder. I'd make lists, to-do lists of everything I had to do, and then I'd write them down when I when I when I got down there, and I'd just start checking them off. Those lists kept me focused, it kept me energized, and it kept me moving ahead. Best ever deal you've done? The first one I talked about, sitting down with those attorneys. You know, I think there was 120 attor- partners in the in the law firm. It was a huge law firm, this huge deal, and and going through all this and and putting it together and feeling good and then realizing that yeah it's about it's really about how you treat people and that's going to be more important than any document or anything you ever do in your life best ever project you're most excited about right now actually the book and something unfortunately we didn't have a lot of time to talk about but it's about philanthropy it's about there's a trillion dollars out there that private foundations have that they give to wall street the book's about wall street's not really your best friend Use that. Use those assets, not just making grants with five percent of the money, but use use the actual assets to invest in your community. Whether it's buying real estate for not to help with nonprofits and they'll get a return, buying community bank with assets. There's so many ways that foundations can invest their capital to really help community other than Wall Street. And where can the best ever listeners find your book, and what's the name of it? The name of the book is The $100 Million Question. It's on Amazon, and it's also on our webpage, Hutton Parker Foundation. It's cheap, it's easy, and it's more directed to foundations. I am going to do, I've got another book in front of me that talks more specifically about real estate that will be out soon, too. Best ever quote. Oh, best ever quote. You know, before I do speeches, sometimes when I look out of the audience, um, I remember this one, and it's, be wary of giving advice. Wise men don't need it and fools won't heed it. Of course, that's probably wrong for us right here in this radio show, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> Help me understand that. What's that mean to you, and how have you applied that in your life? Um, I love talking like I'm talking to you right now, but when I get up in front and give speeches, my attention span is probably about five or ten minutes to listen to somebody. So what I've learned in life is I'd much rather engage. I'd much rather have a dialogue. Instead of giving advice, I would much rather offer ideas, hear them back, have the who's ever in the audience, whoever I'm talking to, have them buy in to this whole process, whether verbally or any other way, so they become a part of what's going on. And I, I just, um, I'm a firm believer that, that a lot of us just listening doesn't get us there. We, we need to feel like we, we are a part of what's going on. What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate or business? This is going to sound horrible, but to be honest with you, I haven't. I don't feel like I've made a mistake in real estate, um, and the reason is because I never asked that much out of it. I never leveraged to a point. If there was any mistakes ever being made, it's you know selling when I shouldn't have. But usually, I, I sold only for a specific reason that that was important at the time, and then I've always wished I would have kept whatever I sold. But nonetheless, um, it's, it hasn't been major. And I, Mistakes usually happen when you don't think enough about what you're doing or you leverage or, or, or get greedy and, and start consuming instead of investing the capital that you make. And I've tried to not do that. 
little different. I'm older now, so it's okay. <laughs> but but during the early process, I think I, I looked at I looked at income and consumption, and I realized to me it was a three-legged stool. It was income, income, consumption, and taxes. If you can not, if you can try to minimize your taxes by depreciation and other vehicles, and reinvest that money that you would have paid in taxes, and not consume it, then you're going to come out ahead. What's the best ever place to reach you? I hope to tell you to be in the Caribbean bear boating. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, it's right here in Santa Barbara at the, at the foundation office. I know you mentioned it earlier, but just so we can, you want to mention it again, your website and any, any other way you'd like best ever listeners to learn a little more about you? No, it's, it, you, they're welcome. It's the Hutton Parker Foundation. It's easy to get on on the internet. And every, all the connections are right there, and they're welcome to get the book that way. Um, anybody interested in philanthropy or anything in, in this way, they're welcome to talk. We've got staff here. Um, right now, it's, it's not about making money. It's about just disseminating information and trying to make a difference now. And actually, it's about giving money back. It's about recirculating wealth, which is what I believe in capitalism, to be honest with you. But I also believe that, that the way to do it is through choice and through engagement. And that's what private foundations try to do. And that's what we do as individuals. When we, we, when we give to local, our local community, we do it through choice and, and engagement. And I think that's, that's the wonderful part about this country. And I love it. Tom, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your best ever advice with the best ever listeners and you know, talking through you know, your career and you know, what you've learned Obviously, one of the takeaways for for me and probably the best ever listeners was your, as you call it, lateral thinking of of how to solve the problem that you were coming across when that company you took over was, you know, bleeding, as you mentioned, 10 to 20 million dollars a year. And, you know, how you came up with the the partnership with your tenants, where you you basically do, you know, a 15 year triple net lease, give them equity in the deal, have 5% increases to pay off the debt. And at the end of it, you've got happy partners. You've got at least 51% ownership. They've got ownership in it. So, you know, they feel good about paying rent and, you know, every everybody wins, as you said. And, you know, you, you mentioned that you can put things together where everybody wins, where, you know, first the focus is getting the partners return before you do second, don't leverage very much. And then three, kind of hold back expectations and, and let real estate do the work for you. And you know, th- this was just a, a great conversation. I'm really grateful for, for having you on the show and thank you for your time. And, and to close it out, I added a new segment to the show and it's best ever shout out. So best ever listener, Eric B in San Jose, California, you'd mentioned that you are working at Remax, and anyone interested in investing in Northern California, reach out to you. So Eric, E-R-I-C-K dot Burgos, B-U-R-G-O-S at Remax.net. You can uh, check Eric out and uh, be kind of connect with a fellow best ever community member. So Tom, thank you so much for being on the show, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, Joe. Thank you so much. Uh-huh. Hey, you, best ever listener. Do you want more? Then go to joefairless.com, where you'll get tons of free videos, templates, and content to help you get deals done. And remember to subscribe to the best ever show in iTunes, so you can keep getting your daily dose of the best real estate investing advice ever.